Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, welcome in. I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for listening to another segment. With me today is Dr. Ajua Smalls Monte. And today we're going to be diving into emergency um, psychiatry, vaccines. She's going to tell us a little bit about her book. And the rest, you're going to have to go deep dive in so you can hear all the gems. But before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Smalls. Dr. Smalls, here we go. She is a physician scientist and writer. She is currently an assistant professor of psychiatry at Columbia University Irving Medical Center, where she practices emergency psychiatry. Prior to her career in medicine, She conducted HIV immunology research for many years at several institutions, including the National Institute of Health and the University of Oxford. Dr. Smalls Monte speaks and writes about public and mental health and has appeared several times on ABC News and Black News Channel. Her recent co-author book is Anne Jolly, The Brave. I hope I said that right. All about vaccines where readers join and jolly on an inspirational journey as she learns about how vaccines work to keep us safe and healthy and about the amazing scientists who created them. So without further ado, I want to bring on the woman behind it all, Dr. Smalls. Thank you for having me, Genesis. My pleasure, Dr. Smalls. And before we dive into the work that you're doing in the community and in your personal and professional life, I want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in the connection part of the segment. So there's two options I give my guests. We could either play a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or we could break the ice. What are you in the mood for? Let's try breaking the ice. Okie dokie, here we go, y'all. We're breaking the ice with Dr. Smalls and Genesis. Do, 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 do. I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life that built character or share something fun and interesting about yourself that not even your own community knows about you. I would say I like to run a lot. I run marathons and a lot of people where I work probably don't know that. Um, It's something that I've done since grad school and it's something that gives me a chance to relax and unwind. And I like to go on, on trips around the world where I can run, see new places, um, but also keep up my physical fitness. So I might go to extremes to do that, but it's really a fun thing that I've enjoyed doing. I love that. And it's also practicing self-care too, because whenever you're running, you're getting outside of your day-to-day and you're just being one with yourself, your body and nature, depending where you're running. Yes. So now let's dive into the work that you're doing. What made you focus specifically on emergency psychiatry? 
When I went into psychiatry, I chose that field because I realized if your brain is not, you know, functioning right, if you're not thinking right, if you have a lot going on, all the other aspects of your life are also affected. And during my training, I got exposures to different areas of psychiatry, working with people in an outpatient setting, seeing them in an office where people are a little bit more stable. But I also had a chance to work with people in the hospital. And I really enjoyed dealing with people in their moment of crisis, helping people real, um, get to a point where they are stable and help them start on their path to recovery because it can be a very scary time when you are coming in with your first um, episode of a psychiatric illness, whether that is depression, whether that's schizophrenia or a manic episode in bipolar disorder. And so the opportunity to help somebody in that very vulnerable time, I felt was a privilege and something that I enjoyed doing. And this is a touchy subject, too, because now we know with a psychiatric health, sometimes the companies, and when I say companies, I'm meaning pharmaceutical companies, are pushing these drugs, hardcore drugs, and just because someone has a psychiatric break one time, which they may classify as emergency uh, psychiatric needed, does not mean that they need to be on these lifelong drugs. And there's a lot of stigmas around um, psychiatry and the whole mental health aspect. So with you being on the ground and seeing this day in and day out, how can we help those on the outside looking in as well as the inside looking out decipher between emergency psychiatry and long-term psychiatry? In emergency psychiatry, again, I'm seeing you when you need help. And for certain illnesses, medications are very crucial in helping to stabilize you. And that is one of the great advances of modern medicine that we have medications that can treat when someone is psychotic, when someone is manic, whether they're withdrawing from alcohol or other drugs, we have medications that can help you become more stable and to help settle your mind. There are also times when uh, medications may be started that you might have to take for a long time because some psychiatric illnesses um, really, you know, everyone is different, just like it is with a biological disease that you have, whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure. Sometimes you may need the medication briefly, sometimes you may need it for a long time. So it really is about. Um, when I'm seeing people, making sure you're stable in that setting. And then when you get to the point where you're not in a, an emergency, not in a crisis, hopefully you're working with another psychiatrist, um, another doctor that can help continue to evaluate your symptoms and see whether you need to be on your medication um, and for how long that needs to be. Every diagnosis, every illness, every person is different. Some illnesses do usually require people being on the medications for a longer period of time. But I certainly recognize there are many different illnesses that maybe don't require somebody to be on the medication. It could just be other things that are going on in your life. And when those parts are settled, you're doing okay. Yes. Okay. So that definitely helps like decipher because 
this is whenever they are at the brink and it's like, I need help now. This is not something that they come to you and you're working with them on a long-term period. That's whenever they would another psychiatrist to make sure that once they're out of that emergency phase, they're either stabilizing it and reassessing the situation. Mm -hmm. That is very critical to follow up with somebody. Um, Just like whenever you go to the emergency room, if you broke your ankle, you might see someone get a cast, but you may have to continue working with a doctor outside of that, keep checking in. So it's not only the one time you have to keep on going and working with someone. Okay, perfect. So audience, if you know anyone that is dealing with this, let them know that it is okay to reach out for help. And asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength because we want to make sure that they have the necessary care and resources to make sure that they're living their life optimally and they're not you know, suffering by themselves because you're not alone whenever you're going through certain situations. And just because it happens one time does not mean like it's going to happen all the time and you never know what is triggering it. So let me ask you a question here, Dr. Smalls. Mm -hmm. So can life experiences and challenges trigger an emergency um, psychotic break? For some people, yes. I have seen um, people learn of uh, various bits of news and they kind of lose touch with reality at that moment. It can be, um, they think they're in another time. They think they are another person. It really um, gives them a shock. And those might be what we call a brief psychotic episode. But in some of those cases, I've seen after a little bit of time, after a week, even without medications, they can return to being normal. Another thing that we often see in people, um, and we have a diagnosis for it called adjustment disorder, is a stressful event that happens. You, um, again, it could be anything, the loss of a home or um, bad news with work or something. And that triggers you to become very depressed or to become very anxious. And had that event not happened, you would not have had the symptoms of depression or anxiety. And we expect when we're seeing you after that event happened, that once that situation has resolved, you would likely go on to return to how you were functioning before and be more at what we call your baseline. You won't feel as depressed or you won't feel as anxious. Sometimes people need a little bit of therapy to help them get through that. Some people may not need any follow-up that I might see in the emergency room. Some people may need a little bit of medications to help them briefly through that time. And a couple of months, they may come off of their antidepressant medication or one that helps treat the anxiety for that brief period of time. Mm, So it's pretty much case by case basis, but there are life circumstances that can cause you to shift gears into this, but that doesn't mean that shifting gears into an emergency psychiatric um, wheelhouse is going to keep you there for long-term. It just means that once the issue resolves, 
to go back to normal, but still follow up with your physician just to make sure that you're on the right path. And now I want to switch gears here a bit, Dr. Smalls, because you also talk about stigmas. And we all know that whenever you talk about mental health and depending on what community you're in, like, for example, I'll say the black and brown community, they don't always want to say, oh, I'm dealing with mental health or I need help with that, with this because of the certain stigmas around it. But across the board, mental health does get a bad rep. And sometimes people don't always want to address it. But you being a physician, as well as you being an individual, what is your stance on stigmas and mental health? I think stigma comes from many different people. Um, and in the community, it can come from my family or my friends around me, um, how we treat mental illness. I will also say in the healthcare setting, sometimes even as physicians, we may have some stigmas against individuals that have mental health issues, maybe sometimes with substance use disorders, we might think, oh, why can't they get their act together? But with addiction, there's so much changing in your brain chemistry that it is really hard to stop or reduce the use of some of the drugs. So even though you're like, oh, this is a problem again and again and again, um, they're not trying, they're not um, you know, we'll, we'll say, you know, they're not trying very hard or because of their substance use disorder, they may not be trying to deal with their other medical um, illnesses. So, um, and, and that can become frustrating for a lot of people. So I, I do see stigma um, from within the medical community and from the outside in society. But I also have seen in the past couple of years, so much more understanding and deference giving to the challenges that people are experiencing every day and recognizing there is more stress, there's more anxiety um, that was even further accentuated by the pandemic. Also recognizing what the that there are people that suffer with serious, what we call serious mental illnesses, such as the addiction, such as bipolar and schizophrenia, where it is very, very hard sometimes for those individuals to function and realizing that they need a little bit more help um, and structure and support in society. So I would say I'm more encouraged now by the evolving attitudes in society to offer help to individuals that have mental health needs. I think there is still so much more that can be done and we have a lot more ways to go in terms of how that help is offered, making sure resources are there when people are going to seek them. But I think attitudes are changing and that's the important first step. Yes, and it's definitely a collective effort between yourself personally, those around you, and I would also say your employer because a lot of um, employees they do have access to certain things based on the insurance that they have. But if you don't know what you have access to, then you may not necessarily be getting the help that you need. So versus paying out of pocket, there's a lot of things that would be covered because a lot of um, companies have EHAP. So the employee health assessment plan, they have different um, 
different providers within the network that you could go talk to. So just know what type of coverage you have, what are you paying for and what you're getting and start there versus paying out of pocket for something that may have been covered by you already contributing to your insurance. And then if you don't have insurance through an employee, there's a lot of nonprofits and et cetera out there that can educate you on various subject matters to make sure that you have enough knowledge and resources to help you get through something. And because I dealt with, you know, some, some people close to me that had some men mental health issues, I became certified through the mental health first aid and they taught us an algae method. And I'm going to just read it off briefly so I don't butcher it. Mm -hmm. So algae, it's A-L-G-E-E. -E. So A stands to, for approach, assess for risks of suicide or harm. L, listen non-judgmentally. G, give reassurance and information. E, encourage appropriate professional help. We are not a professional. I am not a professional. So in this conversation, Dr. Smalls is a professional. So she's giving you information. And the last E is encourage self-help and other support strategies. And you can find this by going to mental health firstaid.org so you could see and it was an eight-hour course that I took but it allowed me as an individual to be able to talk to them because I had no idea what was going on and I don't want to say the wrong thing that could be triggering to that individual but I do want to let them know I could be empathetic with you that you're going through this situation so that's one thing that I want to encourage the audience to do is if you don't know what to say then see how you can get plugged into a community or a nonprofit that will help you, especially if you have someone close to you that you love and care about that is dealing with certain things. I think that's really important. Like you're saying, um, we often worry about, I think in people that we're recognizing might have depression or anxiety or bereavement, we may not have the perfect thing to say, but just acknowledging, I see that you are hurting, that you're suffering goes is probably 50% of what I would say I do as a psychiatrist. A lot of people say people just don't recognize or they don't hear me or people don't care anymore. You don't have to have the perfect answer. And even myself, I may not have the perfect answer to say to someone. I don't know everything about someone's life, even though during my clinical assessment, I am probing and trying to learn a little bit more, but how well can you learn somebody in an hour? But just acknowledging what someone is going through is very key and could be enough just to help someone stop and, and reset. Yes, people might need a little bit more, but I want to encourage people from all walks of life, just see the person as a person and kind of say, if I were feeling like this, I just, how would I want someone to talk to me? How would I want someone to just recognize I'm here? I think when people are at their lowest mo moment, the thing I hear the most is that nobody cares. That's what brings people to their lowest moment. So I think that is really good that you've done that training and thanks for sharing that algorithm. Thank you. And yes, people want to be seen and heard and just know that somebody is there with them, even though they're not de definitely there in the trenches, they could at least have a sounding board. And so now I'm going to switch gears because you're, you're very multifaceted. 
and you have a book out and you talk about vaccines, you put out content to educate people on vaccines, why vaccines are important, because let's be real, right now, the two things that we're constantly hearing about is COVID-19, even though it's tapered off, it's still out there, the flu, because the flu has ramped up, and now with pediatric patients, RSV. So mm-hmm. all of those things are requiring vaccines. You have those who are for vaccines and you have those who are not for vaccines. But with you knowing what you know and you promoting the education around vaccines, can you tell me as well as the audience why you wrote your book and why is vaccination so important to you and why we as individuals should do our own research? I wrote the book because I wanted to have a way to talk to a younger audience about why vaccines are important for our health. I remember reading books like The Magic School Bus, learning about science, um, watching TV shows. We all know Bill Nye, the science guy. And then you go to school and class and they talk to you about general health measures, all of that. And that's information I was getting from a young age, from seven, eight, nine years old, 11 or 12 in middle school. So I wanted to be part of that educator community where I can help young people understand what is some what is a vaccine? What are you getting? Because I understand shots can be scary, you know, but getting a shot um is something that we do to keep ourselves healthy. And you know, being brave is doing something, even though you're a little bit nervous, even though you're scared, but it's important to do. Uh, why it's important to get vaccines is because for millennia, we succumbed to many different diseases, whether it was polio, smallpox. Um, so, so many illnesses that we don't even worry about or think about anymore. When's the last time you heard about somebody getting chicken pox, but a vaccine came out about, um, you know, in the nineties that we all, that a lot of the younger kids get today. So you don't hear about that anymore. And those are things that have kept us healthy. I knew people that weren't able to get the polio vaccine that that had polio, people in my family that were, um, their whole lives were impacted by that because they um, ended up having um, uh, neurological damage as a result of the polio. So it is very um, important that, we take protective measures to keep us safe and healthy as long as we can. Um, And vaccines are one of those things that has definitely made it so that we live healthier, fuller lives for a lot longer. So Dr. Smalls, do you have a copy of your book near you so you could just hold it up so the audience could see a visual of it? I don't have a copy at this second. Um, You're the first person that has ever asked me for that, but I can definitely um, get a copy or have um, one available to your audience if you want to put it in the show notes or something. Okay. And let the audience know um, the name of the book again and why you chose to name it. So the name of the book is Anjali the Brave, all about vaccines. Um, it's a story of a young Indian girl and her father that go to get the vaccine, hence the name Anjali. They have, um, they meet a doctor, um, 
a brown skin black doctor that shares all about the history of vaccines, goes into a, the history of the various cultures and civilizations that have contributed to it. It's not only here in America, England, China, um, Japan, you know, this is a worldwide effort for many centuries to try to help humans live healthier lives. So we talk about that. It's great to celebrate all the different people from around the world that have contributed to us. So we um, wanted to show so much diversity um, in the characters and also the history of vaccine development in our book. Love it. And with the name Anjali, was this name an inspiration or did you make up the name? Um, I will say it's a common Indian name. My co-author is, of an, um, is a Singaporean, from Singapore of Indian descent. Mm -hmm. And I also really love that name. I um, know a few people. I just is a nice name, has a nice ring to it. So that's one of the reasons why we chose that name. Oh, okay. Awesome there. And thank you for sharing. And I will definitely have it in the show notes so the audience could take a look at that. And lastly, but not least, before we wind down, is there anything that I didn't ask you about vaccines, mental health, or emergency psychiatry that you wanna share with the audience before we jump into the CTA call to action? Okay, I will say for vaccines, it's important to know that now we have COVID vaccines available for kids as young as six months of age. And the vaccination rates among the younger um, children have been quite low, but it's still important that they get it. As you mentioned, there is an uptick in respiratory illnesses, especially in the pediatric population. So it's RSV, flu, and COVID, and getting all of that um, can put children at risk. So if um, you have a young child or even yourself, go get the vaccine um, for the young kids, go get your booster. Um, it's, it's their for your health. Uh, I can tell you from my experience, just being in the emergency room, it is packed, it is crowded, and you don't want to be in a situation you don't have to be in. And thank you for sharing that. And for anyone who's on the fence about it, do you have a website that they could go look up the information since the COVID um, vaccine shots just came out for children? And I know some people are, you know, on the fence about it and they want to do their research before they inject their children with something is what I've been hearing. I've heard it from both sides. And I, I totally understand wanting to have as much information about something. The CDC website has a lot of information, kind of what you should know about the different vaccines that are available, about the possible side effects someone could experience. And most of it is kind of general malaise, a little bit of soreness at the site of injection. Um, but it has all of that information there for you. And I will also say if you go to hospital websites, they tend to have an explanation of um, major medications and um, um, vaccines that are av available to you. So I, I think hospital websites or medical system websites are a good source of information, um, not only about the vaccine, but about various illnesses in general. Awesome. And audience, I challenge you to do your due diligence and look for credible websites to gather information from. Don't go to Instagram, don't go to Twitter, don't go to YouTube, but go to a credited site that has information that is backed by physicians 
or people that are actually out there in the field and follow your gut instincts. Do what's best for you. Once again, that is my disclaimer. I'm not in the medical field, but we've had you know, this conversation with Dr. Smalls, who is in the medical field. And Dr. Smalls, tell the audience how they can connect with you. What's your website? And are you on any primary social media channels? But the website for the book is www.anjalithebrave.com. And on Instagram, you can find me at Dr. Audra, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-D-J-O-A. Um, also, our book has a page, Anjali the Brave, as well. Awesome. And there you have it, audience. Dr. Anjua Smalls Monte. All of her contact information will be in the show notes down below. So all you have to do is read, scroll on down and tap in with her. And lastly, but not least, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and follow, and leave a review. Let me know what you like, what you didn't like, and if there's a topic you want to hear, because I will definitely find a guest, or if I'm privy on it, I could talk about it in a solo episode. Don't forget, we are looking for brand sponsors. It is paid sponsorship, but you can have your products and services ranked alongside with me in the top 2% globally per the KPIs on www dot listennotes.com so if that interests you send me an email at gems with genesis amaris kemp at gmail.com and it's easy to remember because it's the full name of the show at gmail.com so until next time peace love and lots of blessings have yourself an amazing day and go out there and do your research and remember Whenever you take time to invest in yourself, you're also investing in the future of others because you are taking time to recharge, rejuvenate, refuel, and be all that you can be by living life optimally. And when you live life optimally, you're going to be good for those in your life that's depending on you. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.